Welcome to the Las Doctoras podcast. I am Dr. Christina Rose, pronouns she, her. I am Dr. Renee Limas, pronouns she, her. In this podcast, we make space for important conversations about the social issues that affect our lives and the lives of other marginalized people. We talk with thinkers, scholars, mothers, writers, and other visionaries invested in taking a hard look at the oppressive social dynamics of the world and doing the work of dismantling all structures of power. We are grounded in a connection to ancestral wisdom, academic research and lived experience while we sit together and share our insights, ponder ideas about how to heal from the generational trauma of white and male supremacy. Join us on our journey, not toward perfection, but into reflection of the multidimensional and complex experience of humanity, attempting to survive and thrive within the oppressive power systems we live in, all while we sit at our kitchen tables, sipping on some tequila, hoping to change the world. Bienvenidas! Hello, welcome to episode 17 of Las Doctoras podcast. It's been a little bit. Um, the holidays um, were, you know, there was a lot going on for us, but we're really trying to um, start this year off right, start our new semester right, and we're um, we're really trying to get back into a groove of recording and publishing episodes. So um, hopefully you'll be um, you know, you're still around and you'll definitely be getting a lot more from us. So I don't want to talk too much um, because this is actually going to be a little bit of a long episode. Um, in this episode, we're talking with Leslie Arreola Hillenbrand and Lizeth Toscano of Latinx Parenting. Um, so if you're not familiar with who they are, I would suggest you go and follow their work um, on Instagram, Twitter, all over um, Latinx Parenting. So this was a conversation Christine and I have been wanting to have for a long time. Um, we are you know, we, we know Leslie pretty well. Um, we've been getting to know Lizeth. Um, and so we just feel like we're such fans of their work. Um, they're doing such amazing work, particularly in the parenting world. Um, I have to say that this conversation brought up so many things for us. Um, things like generational trauma, mother wounds, gender roles, navigating masculinity, um, and you'll, you'll kind of see how all those different um, pieces of the conversation come out. But ultimately, what um, we feel like the conversation really helped us to um, articulate is how nonviolent communication, particularly as described by Leslie and Lizeth in their work, particularly from a cultural perspective, really allows us to heal the trauma, heal the wounds, create more conscious approaches with our children. Um, and also, you know, because Christine and I are so invested in, in social justice, right, um, it allows us to be able to integrate social justice work um, into our homes and into our family dynamics. There's there's just something about um number one, nonviolent communication, but particularly with Latinx parenting, how they sort of bridge, you know, that with the cultural aspect and with an understanding of these larger oppressive systems. Um, it just kind of brings a lot of things together for us. And, and so it's, it's, it's this really, um, it, it's just really important work and, and we're happy to be supporting it. Um, and you know, they are doing such, you know, the work that they're doing is social justice work. And so we just want to thank them so much for being on, um, 
you know, for having this conversation with us. Thank them for doing the work that they're doing and really, you know, giving us all a path toward healing. So without further ado, here's our interview with Latinx Parenting. Hello. <laughs> so that was official. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Las Doctoras Podcast. Um, welcome Friday the 13th. We're here and recording in Renee's uh, kitchen table. Our guests are our on Zoom. And um, super grateful to have this space and time to, to speak with you and to share this, what we're going to talk about today. So we have some amazing guests today. And we're going to let them introduce themselves and their work, and then we'll talk more about it. Mm-hmm. So go for it. I can, I can begin um, if that's okay. I am Leslie Arreola Hillenbrand. Um, I am the mother of Emilio, who is just about to be seven months old, um, Mela, who just turned two in October, and Helena, or Hallie, who is going to be eight years old in a couple of months. Um, And I'm co-founder of Latinx Parenting. Um, I think one of the questions was also what my ancestry was. Yes. And so I want to acknowledge that I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, Renee and I had a little conversation (laughs) on IG because we're both from, or our lineage is both from um, Chihuahua, partially. So my mom was born in Chihuahua, Mexico, and part of her lineage is Taromara Radamuri. Um, which is the indigenous people of uh, the Chihuahua, uh, La Sierra de Chihuahua. So um, I feel really cool to be able to say that because there's a new Netflix documentary on um, Lorena and those people and those people, my people, our people. Um, But yeah, so that is my lineage. I also have Spanish ancestry. I think most of us are um, mestizo in one way or another and um, yeah, but mostly I am a first-generation Chicana, mother of three, and there's a lot more I can say, but I definitely want to <laughs> let Lisa take up some space for sure. My name is Lisa Toscano, and I am daughter of immigrants. Um, both are, when we think about ancestry, when we think about where my parents are from, they're both from Oaxaca, they're from Oaxacan. Um, we were really raised and rooted in our uh, culture, I think, and parents kept a lot of the traditions from Oaxaca and I grew up in a very collectivistic home Um, so when I left to do my work out in you know college and I found that people weren't this way (laughs) Um, I grew up in Salinas and it's a very small town so Mm. knew each other and so that kept me in a bubble of collectivism and then I got into the real world of like San Diego and LA and I'm like oh wow like people aren't really like this. This is not how people function. (laughs) Um, My family was really weird. Um, (laughs) Mm. And then I um, now understand that that's really where I want my family to be rooted in, um, in our own traditions. Um, I am co-founder of Latinx Parenting, amongst other roles that I have. Um, But it's been really amazing to come together and um, do this work with Leslie. So yeah, I'm excited to talk today. <laughs> well, we'd love to just recognize how powerful Latinx parenting has been in our lives. And um, we would love to hear a little bit more of that and how yeah. it is that you two came together to co-found Latinx parenting. 
Yeah. So Lisa, Lisa and I um, were both trained by a wonderful woman named Ruth Beagle Hole, who founded an organization called the Center for Nonviolence and Parent Education. Um, eventually that transitioned into Echo Parenting in Los Angeles, and now mm. it's Echo Training. Um, but Ruth Beagle Hole is no longer a part of that organization. Um, and so she, Lisa was trained, I think about a year before I was back in 2013. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, but anyway, so. I think I was at 2011, actually. Yeah, mm. okay, so a couple years before. Um, and we found each other on Instagram, and we noticed that we were <laughs> teaching the same classes. We were teaching them independently. Um, we both, Lisa actually, and she'll share more about this, I'm sure, but she worked for Echo, and I was working for some uh, nonprofits down here in Orange County, um, and just getting very sick of the bureaucracy and the lack of alignment mm -hmm. with nonviolence, the lack of alignment with these values that I thought, um, you know, should be something that we root ourselves in um, as an organization. And so I, after my daughter um, was born in 2017, my second daughter, I really felt called to start teaching on my own um, and not for any other organization. And mm -hmm. so um, after doing that for a while, Lisa and I found each other on Instagram and started connecting more and more. Um, and I really wanted a partnership and somebody else to be able to do this work with. Um, and so I feel like I prayed for her and I received her <laughs> and now she's here and it's wonderful. Um, but we started officially being Latin experiencing. I think our first workshop together was in December, 2018. So we are still, you know, more or less babies, um, yeah. in, in this organization, but, um, year. Really, year? yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's like that's us that's too. Yeah. 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 And then Anna um, and Whittier came together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. So that's that's a little bit of our story. Um, and we both have small children and we relate on a lot of different levels um, and are definitely in alignment with our parenting values, obviously. So, um, yeah, that's, that's you, my perspective of it. Do you want to tell us, too, a little bit about your um, maybe academic and other like work background, like what your yeah, what your background is and like what other work you've done? Yeah, yeah. So um, some of the nonprofits that I had worked for before my second daughter were NAMI Orange County, so National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, and working a lot with mental health. And then before that, I was working at the Child Abuse Prevention Center um, and interim directing their parenting program. Um, and so my background is actually in child development. And I graduated from Cal State Long Beach as a child development and family studies major. And I double majored in um, family life education, which is essentially parent education. Um, mm -hmm. And then I enrolled at Cal State Fullerton in their social work program. And I was very pregnant. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to take a year of absence, a year leave of absence um, from the program. And then I got pregnant again. And I was like, well, so much for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm always like, one day I'll get back to it. It's just yeah. my family is a, is a priority right now. And it really helps to have this background of having worked with children um, and families um, just to be able to like contextualize my own family. Mm -hmm. I want to recognize um, all that you've said is education. You know, yeah. I think that you, there's no, yeah, hierarchy of education <laughs> in, this, in this conversation, you know? So. Yes. yes. Thank you so much for naming that. Um, yeah, so I have 
that background. And, uh, you know, overall, I just feel like I've learned the most just from my experience as a mother. So I feel like that's really, like, I think, Renee, you've taken my parenting class and, mm-hmm. like, my, you know, it's not like this is what I learned in a class. It's like, no, this yeah. is what I learned from when my daughter and I were yelling at each other in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always uh, so refreshing to hear from, like, a parenting coach is, like, I yell at my kids, too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so much grace for all of us, right? I was just yeah. texting Lisa this morning. I was just, like, I messed up. I mm. did this and that. And so we, we really need to be able to give our, um, ourselves that grace. But when we can't yeah. do it, then we need to reach out for other people to be able to give that to us. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. That's what I experienced coming um, to uh, one of the groups at Lizette's your house. It was so beautiful mm-hmm. to have everyone come together and to have um, that that grace, you know. Lizette, mm-hmm. you want to share? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to share that I I didn't share, but I'm a, a mother of a soon to be three year old, and that has been. <laughs> <laughs> these last couple of weeks has been like whoa I'm like trying to stay grounded in brain development this is all brain development mm-hmm. um but um I, you know I have an interesting background I um graduated from San Diego State with a degree in social work so I've done a lot of nonprofit work I've worked with um in different spaces like in-home counselor therapist um a lot of organizations that I think I was really in survival mode like when I came to LA I, I transitioned because I, I, mean, I fell in love and I transitioned here to LA and mm-hmm. um and I did a lot of work um and with different organizations and early head start and a lot of from zero to three was my primary focus and at the time I was so young that I didn't realize the work that I was doing so I was like yeah yeah I'll do it. I was eager right and um and it's really hard to recognize that now. I'm like, you know, I, I, I have a lot of knowledge, but I can't really put it into words. If that mm-hmm. makes um, I think that also comes with being first generation around like parents really telling me like, you know, you got to humble down. Um, mm. If you stay really grounded in your humbleness, then that's like number one. And so um, it has served me and it's also disturbed me in many ways. And so I went back to school, got a master's in, at USC, um, went through that really like, I, you know, it's funny, I picked my my um, my period, so it was a three-year program because I had a dog at the time, and I wanted to meet the dog schedule. <laughs> <laughs> that was preparing you for parenthood. <laughs> and I don't know why I could, I could have been done earlier, but I was like, no, I could take my time. My dog needs me right now. <laughs> Which is probably the best idea because I had I was working two jobs. Um, my husband at the time got like a really um, permanent injury, so I was also being the breadwinner of the house. So um, mm. say that I, I'm I'm rooted in social work and social justice. Um, I'm also a therapist. I do individual work and um, have done that for some time. Um, I've been a parent coach for over 12 years and working with families and parents. Um, but I think even this question makes me nervous because I'm not sure I can't gather like all the right words or like, this is what I did. And these are like the assets. And um, because I've learned to be so like grounded in humbleness. And like, God, I love this. It's, I love just like, that's, so that's so interesting. Like humbleness as a virtue. I, I, the same thing happens in my family, right? Like there's this never get, never get, let your head get too big. 
Yeah. Right? Like, then if it gets too big, then that means that it's all going to go away. Like the, and my mom, my mom would also oh. say, my dad would also say, my dad has always been like, you're not better than anyone else. Like the, you, you know, and, and your degrees don't tell me anything that as a human being, you ought to be a good human being. And so I've always so afraid that when there's an opportunity, like this opportunity I'm teaching at Cal Poly Pomona now, and I'm still, mm -hmm. I'm, they're going to find out that I'm not good enough. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and it's an early childhood study. So they're going to find out somehow, somewhere, sometime. They're gonna that's, 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 we were just talking <laughs> about that. That is imposter syndrome to, by definition, right? Like that we are somehow faking it. And somebody's going, I mean, I still have that. Like when I, we, we have to get observed every year. Oh yeah. I'm so I'm nervous. Find out that I'm, I'm like, Oh my something God. I shouldn't, or yeah. I'm teaching something I shouldn't or. Yeah. Oh my God. They're, they're going to tell me that I'm, I'm not professional enough or that I'm not, you know, this and they're, I mean, literally I, I, I had, they observed me at the end of October and I was like waiting for it. I was like, Oh fuck. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. They figured me out and I'm going to be really fired. Can. And <laughs> I, I want to say for me personally, the way I even came to, um, I don't know, the idea of like finding parenting support mm -hmm. was, you know, and, and I've talked about this before, but being parented in a certain way, particularly by my mother <clears throat> and you know, being this child and saying like, when I'm a mom, I'm not going to do it this way. <laughs> I'm good. You know, and not to say that I was going to be better. I just, I just knew there were certain things I didn't want to do. And I just mm. thought it was going to be as easy as that. Just saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And then I had kids and I started mm. to see those things come out of me. And I thought, wow, how could it be that I promised myself that I wouldn't be this way and yet I am being this way. And, and that's when the idea of like generational trauma started to like set in. I was like, oh, this is my default because it's the only way I know how to be a parent because this is the, this is the parenting method that has been passed on for generations. My great grandmother parented this way, my grandmother, my mom. And so it's both the only model that I had and it's, you know, just, you know, partially through DNA, right? Like partially in, in our genes. And so I realized that I couldn't just say I wasn't going to do it this mm. way. I had to figure out what I was going to do instead. And that I needed, that I desperately needed help to do that. Um, and so that kind of set me on a path of like trying to find resources, obviously being academics, we know how to research, <laughs> you yeah, know, but, the, but certainly like the, the mom or the parenting communities you initially find, whether you mm -hmm. Google it or in yeah. Long Beach or, you know, wherever, in particular where we were, you know, were um, circles of just maybe all mothers who could meet together and sometimes sometimes parents, you know, coming together, but we're mostly people of white privilege, you know? And so, and at, and at some level, I'm just like, you understand to a certain degree. Yeah. I will. Yes. Let's be friends. And then, <laughs> and then, and then after a while you're like, Oh, we, we don't really yeah. connect on so, so many things. And yeah. so then you can actually find, you have more choices of maybe hopefully like Latinx quarantine yeah. has brought to our lives choices of, um, people and communities to engage yeah. with that actually speak to more of who, you, who I am, who we are, you know? Yeah, it was, I think for me, it was like, 
you know, finding, yeah, like, I was like, oh, this idea of, like, conscious parenting, right? And, like, what did that mean? Or, and I didn't even have, like, what do you, what do you call it, right? Like, and especially because, it, again, it was, like, coming away from what, you know, my mom's method was and my mom's approach was. Um, but it was sort of finding that limitation of, like, cultural translation, right? Like, when I would, because I, I had done um, parenting coaching with <clears throat> a white woman, and it was, like, there was this point at which I felt like, but you don't understand, <laughs> right? Like this is the way like we see this as norm. And not only that, mm -hmm. but if I am to stand, like if I were to tell my mom what you did was wrong, that's like a mortal sin, right? <laughs> like that is to, you know, break her heart. And so like, there was a lot of this, like, I couldn't quite like get it. And so, yeah, yeah like finding your work, it was like, oh, you not only get, this this other way that we want to parent but you're also coming from this like you know culturally relevant perspective um where you understand like a lot of this history but um yeah so could we ask yeah. you to describe latinx parenting what is it to you like we're, we're putting into our words but i would love to hear like what it is how did it even the word choice right mm -hmm. yeah um I just want to acknowledge like a little bit about what Renee was saying in terms of, and, and, and Christina, the, the parenting world is very white. It's like mm. parenting world so white. Let's <laughs> you know? name it. Let's um, say that. <laughs> and the therapy world also is very white. And yes. um, so I think like what really had a very big impact for me was having a Latina therapist and me just being mm. able to say some of the things that I was told as a child in Spanish and how mm. much of a difference it made for me to not have to be able to stop my flow and process yeah. to now accommodate a translation for a therapist. Mm. Um, and, and at the same time, I was working with a lot of um, Spanish-speaking families and immigrant mothers and speaking only in Spanish. Um, so there's, and, and the way I see it, there's like differences obviously between like the immigrant mothers, like my mother, and then there's like those like myself and like Seth who are very aware and wanting to be respectful of that history mm -hmm. and also trying to break cycles that are harmful for our children mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. stop these recordings that we continue to tell ourselves about, um, you know, that humility that Lisa was talking about. Um, and so Latinx parenting was kind of born out of a desire to definitely be culturally relevant, but also to name that difference, you know, where we are, our history is like so vast and so beautiful, but there's also a lot in it that has made us hurt as a people. Mm -hmm. um, and if we continue that, then our children are going to be recipients of that hurt you know? Um, yeah, Lisa, would you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think I would just add that. Um, I think a lot of the times there have been a lot of parenting models or parenting programs in general that say, like, we need fixing. And I don't really believe that we need fixing. I think that we need healing um, mm -hmm. or healing people. Like, I think I was just reading from Jerry Tello that healing people heal people, right? Mm. Latinx parenting has really come from that of like, and I think even rooted in the way that we practice this and the way that we um, share with 
parents is that you have the ability to internal resources of being able to heal on your own. This is not like we're not experts. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for me, that's if I could put it into words, it's like if we could create more healing within our communities and they pass it on, and then we have more healing of our own people and communities within, you know, and our children. So um, just wanted to add that piece as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really um, been exciting how receptive people have been to this idea of like, yes, we want to preserve our cultural values, but then we also want to name the harm. You know, we want to. And so I feel like for a lot of parents, it's um, especially from our culture, like there's such a value, such an importance placed on the value of respect for our elders, which is a really wonderful thing. But at the same time, it's like, we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to shame or blame or say like, this is your fault. Um, and this is why I am the way that I am, you know, and, and part of the work that we do is rooted in this concept of nonviolence and understanding that we're all operating from a place of trying to meet our needs, right? Mm-hmm. Having these universal, um, universal needs. And that applies to our parents, that applies to our ancestors, right? we're all just trying to meet our needs. We all want the same things for our children. We all want to be able to thrive um, beyond survival. And so, you know, there's, there's no shame in the strategies that our parents use because their intentions were very similar to our intentions. You know, their goals were very similar to our goals. And so we yeah. don't we don't want to shame them and so when we've worked with parents sometimes we're like well you're telling me to disrespect my parents by saying mm. um that they were wrong to hit me and we're not saying that they were unloving we're saying that these strategies created very real consequences for our brains and very real consequences for um the barriers <laughs> to healing that we have now and that these strategies came from colonization they're not Ooh. That's what I heard down. Yes. They don't come from um, inherent goodness of our own ancestries. Like there were the other way of parenting, peaceful parenting was ours at one point. Um, And because of (laughs) just, I mean, slavery, racism, and have, you know, our parents had to adapt to a very cruel and hard world and to make good children (laughs) was obey was to make them you know i've said this before in another uh, situation i think is if i didn't discipline my children then the master was going to discipline the child or cafe was going to discipline the child and so better i do it and have respectful children than someone else do that whipping for me um And now we also that voices with internalized too. It's part of this humble down kind of thing. We yes, have to ourselves before someone else has to check us. Yes, and the more you put your head down, which is also part of my parents' immigrant story, is like the more you're not visible, the better. I mean, yeah, um, and has created a lot of conflict, inner conflict with myself. But um, you know, we have to make sure that we put our heads down and just say yes, yes, this is how it is. And I think that. Um, through Latinx parenting is that that's been my healing through that is that mm-hmm. I could I get to question I get to question you <laughs> mom dad <laughs> <laughs> and and do differently for my son and, yeah. and 
okay. And that's the power that comes within, right? And I also want to clarify that empathy doesn't mean forgiveness. I'm so because Renee and I are like scribbling everything down. Like, oh my god, we need this. Thank you for this. yes. Um, because sometimes we will say empathy, and you have to have empathy for your parents, and to some extent, some some people have really toxic, or really unhealthy relationships with their parents, and I would never advise or never hear like, oh, go back to this. No, absolutely mm. not. But I also want to say that having empathy, or I understand where that's coming from, allows us to then create our own narrative around what happened to us and take back our power. And it, you know, doesn't mean you have to forgive. It doesn't mean like, oh, now, because I think that's also what comes out of Catholic guilt, <laughs> mm. right? It's like, you have todo. And like everything you have to give, right? Or Dios está viendo. And, and I grew up with that. And um, now have Ooh. to be breaking it down or like, my mom used to say, like, ahí está mi ojito, te va a ver. Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is like, uh, where is I that she's carrying me, right? All this guilt and, um, and forgiveness. Oh, it's family, it's la familia. You know, we had sexual abuse. My sister has given me permission to share this and, and other in my work. And, you know, she has said, had, had we had this life for us, there would be so much pain alleviated from my life. Mm. Mm you know, it's this idea, like Leslie said, of respect, of like, meet the, you know, respect the elders. Es la familia. We have to stay close together. It mm-hmm. they're, they're toxic. That's just who they are. Like, my grandma has these really awful things to say to us, and she says, like, and everybody's like, oh, it's just abuelita. It's just who she is. And mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. No, that's racist, and that's unkind, or that's <laughs> really hurting my feelings, has been our, my sister, who is now 45, is beginning to do that because, because I'm, you know, given the routine mm. and I've been like, hey, no, like, that's not cool, sis. Like, you need to, speak, you need to say something. That's not okay. Um, so I think that, yeah, I don't know where I was going. Out no, there, I mean, <laughs> it, yeah, we're like scribbling, writing notes. Um, there's just so much there, I think. To connect with. <sighs> Enormously. No wonder, like, you're just a year old, but, like, people are just, like, just hungry for this. I can feel this is feeding Starving, me. starving. Like, oh, how do I handle Christmas? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, the empathy part is so... It resonates with me so much because that was where things finally began to click for me because I could have empathy for my mom while still, while still recognizing the harm that she did. I can say, I love you. I know you did the best that you could. And I also know that she was surviving the world in the best way that she knew how, and she was teaching me to survive in the best way that that she knew how right i i tell my students a lot of times like when we think about our moms and then they see us like pushing back on all these like boundaries particularly when we look at things like gender you know roles and they're like and for them it's shocking because the way they survived patriarchy was to live into it right i am going to be the stay-at-home mom i'm going to be the you know the one that gets dominated by the by the husband because i don't want to get beaten right i don't want to you know get abused right these things and so then they're like this and so then they teach that to us like this is the way to survive Mm -hmm. you know it's not on the conscious level right it's unconsciously but um or subconsciously but and so now to see us like 
pushing back, they're afraid. Like, what is that going to mean that you are pushing back on these things, you know? And, yeah. and I think that's where the fear mm-hmm. comes from. So for me, it's like, what, once that kind of clicked, like, oh, my mom was doing the best she can with the resources she had, with the means of survival that she had. And yes, it created harm. And I, and sometimes this is something I have to remind her. My mom and I have come a very long way. Because <laughs> um, she'll say, well, I didn't mean it that way. Or I didn't mean it to be this way. And I said, I know you didn't mean it to be that way. But that's, you know, intention versus impact, right? Like, I know you didn't mean to hurt me, but it still did. And I need you to just recognize that like for my mom to say sorry is like no it's huge pulling teeth I mean it's amazing I've even told my mom like you know she's like well what do you want me to do I'm like can you just say sorry (laughs) and you know and so she'll say it but it's like it's it's taken her a long time to realize like there's a difference between what her intentions are and what her impact has been and I and in and I don't expect her to do that work you know like or I don't need her to do that work you know it's about like me being able to see that and then not internal internalizing her voice. Right. Yeah. And whatever her judgments might be, it, that's not about me. That's about her. And me being able to like separate that has been the click and me being able to deal with my mom in a different way. Yeah. Renee, you and I, I think have related on this, like yeah. with our mothers um, and just having to be able to like name this narcissism. Right. And the lack of like apologies <laughs> being, <laughs> <laughs> the lack of apology being a symptom of this internalized shame that they carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would it mean if I apologize? Then it would mean that I am bad, as I've uh-huh. been telling myself all these years. Um, and so it's not about necessarily getting that apology. Similarly to when our kids you know, make a mistake, it's not about getting them to apologize to us. It's really about what does it mean for my own behavior? What does it mean for my own intentions? What does it mean for my own healing um, if I don't get that apology? And my mom, similarly to yours, like we've, we've come a really long way to the point that just a few weeks ago, she acknowledged that she was emotionally abusive. And I was like, is this happening? Can I bring up my like camcorder right now to like document? What is a camcorder? Um, <laughs> I, re- I was just like, because she was like, pues yo no fui como tu tía, you know, and my tía was very physically mm. abusive. And I said, no, but there was something called emotional abuse. And, and that was very much what we lived in. And she was like, you're right. And I was like, damn, <gasps> like, oh did you God. just, did we just? <laughs> <laughs> did that just happen? Did that just happen? And, and so part of the reason that she's been able to even get to that point is her own healing work and her own <laughs> you know, she's in this, um, in this case that's required her to go get therapy. And so now she's like doing group therapy. And I'm, so I also want to just say like, that gives me so much hope for other people. And it it totally like is our choice, right? Like Lisa was saying, like, we don't have to forgive if we're not there yet. It's not a requirement. Um, I think just having this understanding is helpful to us. Um, yeah. and our role in our parenting and the way that we heal our lineages. I'm so impressed by your moms. I feel like, <laughs> I mean, that's a, yeah. but my, my mom, like, however I experienced it, I experienced it wrong. Like I'm mm. not, there's no recognition of my experience of it. You know, it's how mm. I internalized it somehow. Um, mm. And that I should just, you know, 
pray to Jesus and make it go away, basically, I feel like is mm-hmm. kind of always the answer. I think it's amazing, like, you know, the continuum of like how people progress and how families heal, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's on you though, too, for having spoken with her in such so many ways. You know, I think part of me is just like, okay, I can't even talk to her. <laughs> I can't, you know? Um, and we all, you're right, have our own spaces of healing. Like maybe that's a heal, more healing space for me than actually trying to yeah. like bring up things, you know? But, and I think it, it's, it's for me and my family, our go-to conflict resolution has always been screaming and yelling (laughs) and so I had to come to a point where I was like I'm gonna scream and yell at her anyway I might as well be saying things more productive (laughs) right like um that is one thing a parenting coach once told me like even if you're yelling as long as you're still saying the things that are communicating your emotions right like that you're not just I hate you or, you know, you're a bad person. It's like, I really need you to validate my feeling, right? Like, <laughs> even if you're do it, doing it as you're screaming. So for me, it was easy to communicate with my mom because I was already yelling at her. And so I was just like, okay, how can I yell at her? <laughs> or, you know, in a way that's still, that's going to actually, you know, and obviously now I've been able to not yell as much with her. <laughs> um, but it was starting off like, I'm going to, fight with you anyway so I might as well be saying things that are going to be helpful you know and and it started with things like setting boundaries like I need you to not do this I need you to not say this Mm -hmm. I know you don't mean harm by it I appreciate everything you do for me but you you can't do this you know you can't you know Um, and that was hard for her she's like she would say things like I don't do that I'm like, okay, let me just rewind things like 30 seconds Where's ago. Where's my camcorder from the 90s? <laughs> um, you know, but anyway, yeah, I think I think healing is is such a big, and I think that too is something that's different in, in parenting, right? Like mm-hmm. um, even when we look at like parenting books, like what is it like how to discipline your kids without yelling, right? Or how to you know, I don't know, like 10 steps to, you know, get your kids to listen, right? Like all these different kinds of approaches um, that to me, at least on the surface, still seem things like you have to do to get your kids to do things. Um, And that's not really doing the like reflection work, right? I know in, in your class, Leslie, there's like this, I forget what you all call it, but it's like, you have to do reflection and then it's the pyramid, right? So it's yes, like reflection the at the base and we go back to it, right? So it's like the reflection as the foundation of the work that we do as parents and as people. Um, and then once we reflect, then we can set intentions um, and go from there. But yes. yeah, it's all about, and, and Lisette and I kind of joke, like our classes are parenting classes, but it's not, they're not parenting classes necessarily. Like they're for, like reflection is such an important thing, right? Because we, again, like, a lot of, I think, approaches or methods skip that reflection part, right? It's like, let's get to the yeah. intentions and let's input these intentions without really saying like, well, what is it, you know, what is it that I want from myself? And that when it, when we talk about empathy to me, that's what it comes back to is as much as like, I can have empathy for my mom at the end of the day, the most important thing is having empathy for myself because she couldn't give that to me. you know, for whatever reason. So I had to give it to myself and say, you know, when my mom came in here with her judgy eyes about the mess that I have, that's (laughs) not about me because I used to be like, fuck, I'm a bad adult. I'm Mm -hmm. a bad, 
you know, parent, I'm a bad this, 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 because that was the message, you know, that it sent to me. And now I can walk in and be like, my mess is triggering her anxiety. I can see that, but that is her thing because she has no other way to deal with her anxiety. I don't have to do that. <laughs> right. That's not a, a, a it's not a, um, a mark on my morality, right. Or on mm-hmm. my like goodness. You know, I, I always tell people when they come over, like, look, I'm, I'm planning the revolution. I'm raising Teaching five classes, kids, you know, doing all these things. So my kitchen is always going to be a mess. That's just the way it is. And I have, even me, I still have to remind myself having a messy kitchen is not a bad thing. Like, yeah. because my mom always, that was my job growing up was cleaning the kitchen. And then if I didn't do that, then it was like, you're not pulling your weight kind of thing. Yeah. Like I'm paying for your school. I'm doing all these things. You need to, you know, clean the kitchen. And anyway, so <laughs> we're remothering ourselves, you know, yes. that's the thing. And then, and then we are in doing that, becoming better mothers, you know, ourselves, you know, um, but it's a, it's a process of like, you doing both things at the same time. Yeah. It's like the cycle, yeah. you know, like yeah. it becomes like every every moment, every opera, every day, every year, another opportunity to like come back into remothering and healing so that you can come back, step into your parenting in a different way, you know, we're healing. I'm always, oh, I remember what I was going to say with Lisa when she was talking about, it's not about fixing our children. You know, it's not about, we see this behavior, now we're evaluating it as the wrong behavior and we're projecting all of our stuff onto it. And now we want to make it go away. Right. It's not about that. And so I'm very leery of parenting programs that are like, yeah, like the 10 steps to fix your child. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and it's, it's not ever a destination necessarily. I think especially for those of us who have trauma, like this is always going to be something that we work on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not going to be like, I've made it. I'm the perfect parent. Um, <laughs> we can have moments like that where we just have really good days and we're like, oh, I, I must have rested and I must have Mm. nourished myself and I must Mm. have gotten my my cup fill of community but there's going to be those days where we do revert into back into our mothers or um, you know those those people that kind of programmed (laughs) us to be a certain way oh god yeah I want to say something else that stood out for me in what you all were saying was so talking about like fixing versus healing and really what your parenting classes are doing is you know, not giving the 10 steps to fixing your child, but really giving parents the space to Mm -hmm. do their own healing work. And I I think that um, coming to like where your work and our work meets, I think sometimes that's what we're doing as well, right? Like um, I think we were just saying that sometimes our students come into our class with a sense of like what racism is a sense of what sexism is and how that manifests in their life and then what we're doing is sort of like validating that for them and saying yes that's what it is and and naming that you know similar to how you are all sort of you know giving a language to empathy versus forgiveness right and allowing um you know parents to kind of reflect on that and i think that's what we do too and so um, I feel like sometimes we're giving our students a space to think about, um, yeah, like think about how race, racism and sexism sort of manifest in their lives because they, and this is the similarities I see between your work and our work is, um, for example, my student, we'll talk about rape culture and we'll talk about um, like catcalling and I'll say, oh, has anyone experienced catcalling? 
And then they're kind of, they kind of give me this, like, what does that actually mean, right? Mm -hmm. And then everybody starts to, like, name their experiences. And what they're doing is, like, oh, that's what that is, right? Because we're often told that if, you know, a, a man gives us unsolicited attention, that we should feel like that's a compliment, right? And that then if that turns into an aggressive act, then it's our fault. Similar to... Um, you know, when we're like making judgments about our parents, like, oh, it's their fault that we are like this, right? There's all this sort of like blaming happen versus like naming these larger things mm -hmm. that are actually these systems of oppression these that systems have created of, this, you know, the systemic colonial mm -hmm. patriarchal, like master's house, you know, scenario, like yeah. and really. So it, it allows us to feel like, oh, I'm not a bad person because somebody gave me unsolicited attention right or i'm not a bad person because my my kitchen is dirty right like we're, we're able to like name these large yeah these larger systems of oppression yeah the um, badness the goodness you know naming those things is like a binary that's actually not helpful like more naming the healing like work of survival and then moving from surviving to thriving you know in our lives the yeah. options the freedoms that we have and I think, um, and so coming back to the way that we also relating are, are relating to your work is because we both have boys, right? And, you know, we kind of always preface it with assigned male at birth, mm -hmm. currently identifies boys because we don't know. <laughs> We're trying to give them space to explore whatever that means. But, you know, and then because of the work we do really, you know, as parents, as gender studies professors, we're like, you know, how do we take what we're doing in the classroom into our families, mm -hmm. as I'm sure you all are doing the same, right? And um, for us, it's then like, how do we get, how do we give our boys space to explore gender? But something that I think all, always resonates with us is this idea of empathy, that mm -hmm. boys in particular are not taught empathy are not taught emotional literacy are not taught how to express their emotions right they're taught that the only emotion they can express is anger <laughs> and usually through some sort of aggression or violence right and so for us it, 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 your work is giving us the language to say how can we take the non-violent parenting or communication tools and apply them you know with our children in a world that would have them as boys and not like just step into violence almost as a default you know all the time yeah. is that what you're saying yeah yeah and that and that and that's why your work has resonated with me so well because it's like i was ready to raise a little girl okay i was ready <laughs> to raise a little feminist girl and i was ready for the period her name was Faye. <laughs> i was ready for that and then i had these two little you know walking penises <laughs> and i was like what what, what, what am i supposed to do like <laughs> you know how am i supposed to teach them i don't know how to have a penis like i don't know what you're supposed to do um but and, and a, a friend told me one time, we need women like you raising little boys. And I thought, mm. oh, that's so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and so it is like, and so I, and, and what I want to come around to is, is, I th and I think we both kind of have said like struggling with like, how do we, 
how do we, you know, use this nonviolent communication, but it, our boys are still growing up in a world that tells them it's okay to be violent, you know, and it's okay to be aggressive. And, um, and what I think is interesting, and I don't know if this is a good segue, but, you know, Latinx parenting is a, is a, you know, the name mm, of your mm. work and Latinx just, it conveys a belief and, and you see this in your classes and your, in your community spaces that, um, that this kind of parenting, this nonviolent parenting is available to all people. Right. And so you're healing, um, I see, I see men, women, trans, you know, non-binary people mm -hmm. in these circles. And it's, 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 um, it's not only, we're not only, you know, healing from colonialism or from racism within our community. We're healing from how that was intimately tied to patriarchy at the same time. You know, we're healing from sexism. And so these fathers, you know, identified will come into that space and also just mm -hmm. do the work. You know, knowing, mm. yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think I want to ask you all, how do you, like, and maybe that's a really good question. Why the X and Latinx? Like, I'm sure that was a conversation <laughs> for you all at some point. Because we've, we've um, had that in, you know, in other projects that we're doing. We're like, oh, you know, like, there's so, such, it's always so weird around terminology, right? Um, I don't really know if it was a conversation or mm. That I think we both were so connected and attuned to, and really well rooted in the intention that we're like, fuck it, like this is it, like this is who we are, and people who will resonate with that, um, mm -hmm. for and inclusivity, um, will we'll be okay with it. And you know, we get a lot of, we got a lot of hate from really? you know, um, it's not, it's not Latinx, you know, that's not indigenous. Don't, um, don't write this because it has nothing to do with the indigenous narrative. Um, mm. uh, a lot of hate around us using the X, which is really interesting to me. And because it comes from a lot of men, um, <laughs> straight men, straight men. Mm -hmm. And so that don't follow us. I'm like, <laughs> like, why do they care? Why do we have care? a hard, we have like a hard like block policy where it's like if you're coming onto our page to do harm, you will be blocked and excommunicated. <laughs> yeah, there's no conversation around that. Like I'm like, wow. so I think I remember this distinctly when Leslie and I were talking and we were planning, and she had just asked me to be co-founding with her, and and she said, I don't know, should we use Latinx? No, we stand with Latinx, and that's it. There's nothing else. Mm -hmm. There's no conversation about it. This is who we are. And I think that standing in that and still rooted in nonviolence has allowed us to be able to not only show like, that we really care around um, making space for everyone, um, but it has also brought on some real, um, some real haters, you know? <laughs> That's <laughs> Which has also made us, um, I think, well aware around, I mean, <laughs> Some of the comments we get, um, and down, I, you know, I, sometimes I'll, I'll text, hey, we got this, we got this comment, and I'm like, no, we're not backing down, like, we're not taking it down, you know, or we're not going to edit our, our hashtags, and we're not going to edit because this makes you uncomfortable, you know, and so, um, that is so, it's, it's also brought on, I don't know, I think Leslie has been able to hold this for me for some time. It's like, why do I have to continuously explain myself? Mm. Identify. It feels like such a fucking like, 
I'm sorry about the, the cursing. Yeah, nope. go for it. Um, it's such a hard process around like, uh, I'm still like trying, having to identify, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of trying mm. to figure out like having to identify myself or to feel like I have to explain myself more so than identify myself. Mm. I feel like explaining, explaining. Um, yeah. People are not, you know, still feeling like unaccepted, I think, and not accepted. Yeah. Because it's, of Latinx. Because of Latinx. Because of that. You, oh, I you, never. I mean, we've been talking about this a lot, right? Where in academia, we fucking theorize the shit out of everything. We're <laughs> yeah. like, let's yeah. just talk in circles about this. I seriously, every week in these like, you know, Latinx, th- there's a group on Facebook called Latinx Scholars. And I swear every <laughs> week there's some article about the X <laughs> and about people having, being up in arms about it. And, um, and it's usually written by some Chicano man yes. you know, in his 50s, 60s, <laughs> who has no sense of like where it's born out of, <laughs> right? And I'm just like, oh God, are we still having this debate? And, I, and, I <laughs> and no wondered, interest in listening, you know? No. There's like no, no genuine curiosity. Like, I think that would be so different if we were approached like, hey, I'm really curious about this term. Yeah. Um, let's have a conversation about it. It's just like, you are wrong to use this. And it's like, well, bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it, on the other side, it's the ex that I think has made it so um, approachable, has made Latinx parenting so approachable because it, it does communicate to the people who are interested in nonviolent parenting communication, which is people who are, you know, outside of gendered, uh, patriarchal gendered norms, you know, um, it says we include you, right? We like, this is for you, you know, um, and I, and I want to say too, cause I, I took Leslie's class and, um, you know, because something that I've come across too in these like white parenting spaces um, is a lot of very like, um, even the terminology around like brain development, right? Like, oh, boys, you know, this is what happens with the boy's brain and this is what happens with the girl's brain, <clears throat> which I'm always like, <laughs> I'm always like, oh, like, you know, those are like gender is a social construct. Um, <laughs> but I felt like in your class, Leslie, there was at least space to like you acknowledged right the ways in which gender is a social construct like you said that right like you named that which again there's just this perception of like you know there's um there's at least no nod toward that right like there's there's no and and again that the x is already sort of communicating that there's this recognition of something outside of the gender binary right and at least open to and and you know none of us are doing any of that perfectly right like we're, we're navigating we're navigating our own gender trying to figure out how to give our kids space to navigate gender i'm teaching a class on gender sex body and <laughs> politics and i'm like can i teach this class yeah you know there is just a, a lot going on for that and that and that's really what i want to name at the end of the day i think for me sometimes it's like when I first came into this idea of like nonviolent parenting, even like before, you know, Latinx parenting, it was sort of like, okay, what do I want for my kids? I want to give my kids something different than I had. I also want them to have space to explore gender. I all like, there, it was like this list of all the, these things that I wanted to do and give to my kids. But then I was like, how? how do you do all those things at the same time? You know, how do you like, you know, I'm like, and, and, and I really was getting overwhelmed. And so I 
think again, like coming back to what Latinx parenting has offered us is it gives us that way to kind of bridge those two things together, right? Because it, it's through nonviolent parenting from a cultural perspective that allows us to also apply that to a gender analysis to say like, oh, it's through nonviolent parenting, through nonviolent communication that we can also give our kids space to explore gender, right? That's, that's what I see. I don't know if you all want to speak to any of that. No, it's, I, I'm like, that sounds really nice. I'm like, is that what we do? <laughs> I don't know, Leslie, yes, is that I, what we do? <laughs> Yes. I think it is. I think it is what we do. Yes, the answer is yes. Um, but yeah, but thank you so much for seeing that and for acknowledging it. I think it really, like, Lisa and I are really grateful whenever people see our work um, and, you know, can see it for what it is. Yeah. That, and that's the thing, right? It's like, it's more open than a lot of other, like you said, parenting programs or whatever, like, perspectives, right? It's like at least um, there's an openness right? To, to seeing things differently. I think like the word parenting, which kind of connotes whiteness in so many ways, you mm-hmm. know, also like says, um, it's only for mothers. It's like parenting yeah. is, 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 means mo- mothering, you know, yeah. um, unless it has like a, a qualifier. And so the, the big qualifier Latinx, you know, does, does a lot. I also think the image of the colibri, the, you know, the hummingbird is, is an interesting, you know, symbol for you too. I think it also is something that says, you know, this is, you know, for everyone, you know, too, this is um, inclusive. Um, yeah. And I think, and, and it's funny because it, you, when we talk about gender and we talk about, like you just said, like, usually it's usually for the moms, right? Like when we think about like mom groups, and that's the thing I appreciated when I went into the class. I was like, oh my God, there is all these dads here. Yeah, <laughs> There's all these so- Latino men here in this space with their having to swallow their machismo. <laughs> and my own husband, you know, I was like, who I had to kind of, <laughs> kind of, you know, dra- not drag. I didn't have to drag him, but I had to, you know, do some work <laughs> to get him there. Um, but it was, it was really and this is, and that's what gives me hope actually, right? Because like you said, at the same time that you're getting pushback for the ex, usually from these men, and then you're seeing these men coming into your class, right? Willingly. Willingly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I got some feedback from, uh, I was actually, we were talking about this a couple months back, Leslie, where, um, I was like, yeah, I get a lot of men in my group. I, I don't know how that happened, but, <laughs> and their uh, partners will say like, this is the only group they'll come to. This is yeah. like, like, this is the only group that they'll come yeah. to. The most vulnerability that I will see in, in any of our lives. And so um, I find that to be really powerful and necessary for men to step up and do the work. I mean, mm-hmm. in our spaces, like I get it. You, This is difficult and you're doing the work. Um, necessarily right um so i think it's been a shift for me i think when i first started teaching a couple years ago maybe not a couple years ago many years ago um there wasn't as many um fathers in the groups um or they were court referred Mm. they were court referred um there was always a way of connecting with them and hearing them and and understand that they were also in pain Mm -hmm. also wanting to 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 do better right Um, and now the shift has been that they are willingly coming. <laughs> wow. Without, again, hoaxed, you know? Like, <laughs> you 
you know, and, and um, I had a parent, uh, a father in my, my group uh, two months ago that told his partner, like, you know, I'm talking right now. Like, this is my space. <laughs> please don't, please. And I thought, and, and, I, and I was like, do I address this? Do I not address this? Yeah. Um, but then in this group, the majority of the voices being heard were mamas. So he was like, I just need to share this right now. Yeah. That's also the balance of like who holds power in the group when we're, when we're, um, mm. when we're hosting or we're facilitating is how many, how much of the voice of uh, fathers do we hold and how much of the, um, also not erase the experience of the mother. Yeah. There's a balance too. Yeah, I yes. mean, it just points to how much healing men also have to do, right? And that, and maybe that's what's happening in your spaces is that, um, I mean, we can imagine that maybe mothers, Latina mothers can kind of navigate the the white mom world a little bit. Um, but definitely Latino men could never want to navigate the white woman world right like no. <laughs> the white mom world right so for them to go into other parenting classes would be to come into a whole other thing right because now they're being yeah. seen as predators potentially right or they're being you know and so I think it's it's interesting that you mm. to create this space where Latino men can come into like you said willingly because it points to how much healing that they need to do and that you're creating a space that because it's culturally relevant they feel like they can say things and they can talk and they can be like oh yeah like you get me more than any other space could get me you know i think that's that's so interesting and 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 that gives me hope for the future yeah it gives <laughs> of, me a lot of hope of too. masculinity of 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 men in you know our men in particular and, and not like us raising little boys like maybe there is going to be more spaces for them to to be able to um to express themselves and and grow yeah. being a, I, yeah sorry I, I think becoming a mom of a um my son um Miliano, i I mean, it's giving me a world difference. Even when I when he was born, I told my sisters, I don't know how to clean a penis. <laughs> how do you wipe that? Like, and then she's like, well, so real. like you'll be okay. Like, <laughs> and then um, I knew how to do it, Leslie. You don't have to demonstrate. <laughs> um, but the truth is that we're all, like my um, siblings, my nieces, like vaginas, like that's what we <laughs> So even that has been such a big shift around like, okay, you know, like, um, that's different and that's okay. Like, I'll, you know, work through that, how to process for my own. The biggest thing around raising Emiliano, I think has been deconstructing my own ideas Mm -hmm. of roles, um, Mm -hmm. also with my partner, um, because I'm, I'm like, sometimes I catch myself saying, yeah, like let's show our emotions in this family. And then it's like, but not you, Ivan. <laughs> you don't get to feel like tired. Uh, I get to feel tired. Um, and so, <laughs> damn. My, I feel like that with my son, I'm able to like give space for like, okay, we're going to talk about empathy and we're going to be this feelings family. But really, the hardest work has been identifying how I hold these social constructs of gender. Mm, hell yeah. And having been born, like having been raised with a mom who said like, you have to be really strong and that's who you are, but mm. you serve the man first and you still mm. serve at first and he gets the best part of the meal. 
right? Um, and I did that for a long time. Just recently, this past Thursday, I made myself like a steak, and I was like, no, I'm gonna eat it. And I <laughs> portion, and I had like those. Are, and so to me, it was like, like small moment, right? Of like defining what it is, and I served myself first, and I was like, wow, I'm really proud of myself. Like I'm not, I just, you know, I did fed myself first. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's coming back to like, you know, when we talk about parenting, like we need to sort of heal ourselves before we can either heal a relationship with our parents or, you know, begin to sort of implement something different for our kids. And it's the same thing with gender. I mean, we talk about gender to the end of days, but we're still in it. I tell my students just because I know better doesn't mean that I can always do better. You know, I'm still trying to unlearn centuries of this stuff that's deeply ingrained in us and it's easy to do it out in society you know and so it's hard it's hard to then unpack it for myself and then also try to give my kids something different the same thing you know it's like it's hard for me to like unpack all the ways that I was parented and then parent it's it's a lot of it's a lot of work but um again I think that that's all of those things can come together in that way you know and 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 just getting back to we'll try to wrap up here but just getting back to like non uh, non communication with my kids it's it's given me a language to when moments happen like you said those small moments to mm-hmm. say you know like my younger son for some reason I don't know sometimes I feel I drop the ball with him no um and you know, he, like with my older son, I was always very conscious of things that he was exposed to and, you know, how we spoke about things. And my younger son is just very, he's a little bit more of the masculine <laughs> type. And so he'll say things like, oh, these toys are for girls. And I have to be like, it's okay if girls like them too. Right. And I think again, before I would be like, oh no, he's already yeah. effed up. Like he's just going to be this toxic masculine. And now yeah. I yeah. So it's like, I have to step into that nonviolent communication and be like, okay, you're obviously received this message from somewhere, (laughs) but I'm just going to offer you this other message, you know, and then allow him space to kind of come to that on his own, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I was telling Christina the other day, every time he says it, I just keep saying that it's okay if girls like that too, or just because she's a girl doesn't mean she has to like that. And the more I said it, all of a sudden, the other day I heard my husband tell him that. And then I heard my other son tell him that. And I was like, oh, it's getting there. It's, it's, you know, it's getting out there, right? And yeah. I just, I want to name the, the blessing and the, the opportunity we have because we have children that have penises, right? <laughs> yeah. Basically what it's coming to. Um, wanting to give them space to feel, to be fully human. Also wanting to um, help them recognize the power that they will have because of why you know, we live in this patriarchal world, you know, mm-hmm. or even having mm-hmm. children that are lighter than us or, you know, that right. look different than us too, having them navigate their male and white privilege or, mm-hmm. you know, lightness of privilege. Right. Um, what is that? I, you are the space that we have found, you know, that mm-hmm. is available and, And it's, and we're just very grateful that there's space to talk about these things, you know, and I know this is just, we had this podcast to talk about it here, but we talk about it with you all the time. (laughs) And we're just honestly invaluable, invaluable Mm -hmm. work. It's activist work and social justice work, you know, it's, um, it's radical revolutionary work, you know, it's, it's, you know, we talk about like whether 
however we want to sort of call it for us you know if we put what your work into our language this work is sort of resisting white supremacy this work is resisting yeah. patriarchy this work is about decolonizing right it's it's much more than just about again giving us these like parenting tools it's about really pushing back on this long history of, of violence towards our people right mm -hmm. and then us consciously saying we are not going to perpetuate that violence we are going right. to shift that into something different you know on all on yeah. all aspects you I, know? Think I think recognizing, oh so sorry you know yesterday was the you know day of the you know the virgin of guadalupe and i think that's a day that's that i think we all took a moment to recognize the violence that can be you know on that image that can be kind of projected and instead of doing that reclaiming you know the image is a powerful symbol of motherhood you know of um of just so much more than the colonial patriarchal lens would like to make it. Anyways, mm -hmm. what were you going to say? I, I feel seen. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the, our, some, some criticisms that we've received, you don't do justice, social justice work, or we're not so rooted in like, you know, and I feel like just hearing you, I just want to share gratitude for that because mm. we know it. Leslie and I have a conversation about it. I know it. Um, I may not academically be able to share the right terms around what we're doing around social justice, you know, what that means or whatever that means. But I feel like hearing you share that is like, oh, yeah, like we're doing something right. Um, so I just express gratitude. And it's a privilege, I think, to be able to raise mm -hmm. and change the world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Cycles of violence, you know, um, just being able to stop at the park and talk about consent with him. Like, you don't just... <laughs> girl's ham you know or anyone's little ham um it's a privilege to be able to to be a part of his life and um but a privilege also to be in the space like this to be able to talk about it and and really feel seen for our work i mean we we do a lot of work around inner work too i think mm -hmm. thing that i wanted to share is that this there's social justice work social healing work happening within what we're the actual context of what we're doing but us as individuals have really have to work through things mm -hmm. um, that we've experienced with each other i'm just naming it um experience with each other and have had to do a lot of healing and practice you know um and question um, conversations where i was like hey that didn't feel right that might still not be in aligned with the way that we um are wanting to this organization um, and those conversations have also been healing and have and i feel like that's been the community healing that leslie and i have built is we're not just doing this work um alone and i think that that's really helped but really leslie and i are really doing the work where we're deeply getting into our own partnership and talking discussing around like well, this is not there's a lot of organizations out there that will say like i'm rooted in this um and not really walk the walk and we've done this painful walk where we've had painful conversations. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> where I'm like, hey, that didn't feel good. Or, um, yeah, let's let's hold ourselves compassionately accountable and like let's step into these roles. Mm -hmm. um, so that in itself is also, I think, uh, connected to social justice and community. Mm -hmm. So just being able to say, ah, oh, that didn't feel good. Oh, I love that. Yeah. 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 Or just to meet each other where we're each are at or yeah I, I I hear that a lot you know I, I think we've all been in toxic work environments <laughs> um, and then like you said knowing that when you're creating something that says it's going to be rooted in this that 
the entity itself has to actually be rooted in that. Like we have to be rooted in that for each other before we can say to other people, you know, that, and we can do both work on both of those things at the same time. Right. But yeah. 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 It's, it's because like, like Leslie said, right. This, it's not a destination, right? Like we're, it, this is a, a process that we're going to be doing, you know, forever. And, that, and that's part of the healing work, but I know we have to close. So I know. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Any final words? And we would love to just again, great gratitude for yeah. having you both here. Yes. Gratitude for sure. Just really grateful for this space and thank you for um, having us here. Yeah. Well, tell tell everybody where we can find you. Anything coming up? Mm-hmm. Anything you want to share with our listeners? Yes. That's yes. We have long term vision, so you won't <laughs> see us going away anytime soon. But if people want to um, contact us, they can do it by going on our website, which is LatinXParenting.org. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Latinx Parenting. We're on Twitter now. I'm not totally sure how to use it effectively. Yet, <laughs> Me neither. But, um, but it's also at Latinx Parenting and Facebook as well. Um, and we do want to share that we do have a Familia Vision Board event coming up, which will be in Whittier um, in January. So if you sign Ooh. up for our newsletter on our website, you'll be able to get the details for that. And um, we also have our, our classes resuming at the beginning of February. Um, down here in Santana, um, Costa Mesa area, and then also in Whittier. So we're hoping to be able to have them year-round, but we are mindful of the fact that we're mothers and we have, you know, (laughs) other stuff happening. So um, I want to say, as somebody who's taken the classes, they are priceless. If you can get your partner to go, if you have a partner, whatever your situation is, like, it's just, it's it's very important work, because even if you know, it, it's still difficult to like implement those things. It's, there's a foundation there and there's like a language, you know, I think even for me and my husband, now we have a language that we can communicate about, you know, like mm-hmm. those things. But anyway, so I just want to say that as somebody who took the class, I think. Thank you. Be- <laughs> the community Thank support you, groups, I can speak to those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yes. it's amazing. So thank you all for being here. We're going to put all your information in the in the notes for the episode. And yeah. <laughs> thank you. Bye. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. Okay. 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 Bye. Bye.